go to the word of the Lord for a moment. It's seemingly almost customary. We would expect, how many came today expecting me to talk about something about Thanksgiving? It's customary. You wouldn't show up on the Sunday before Thanksgiving and want me to preach on hell. You just expect me to preach on Thanksgiving. Well, I'm not going to disappoint you. Although it was hot in here earlier, I could have preached on hell. I had to turn the air down. We're going to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 18, beginning with verse 11, and then we'll also go to the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 11. I'm excited to tell you after service, we have a baptismal. Brother Fred's going to be baptized in the name of Jesus. We rejoice with him at what God is doing in his life. Brother Fred, you're one of the easiest people I've ever seen to get the Holy Ghost. It was effortless, and his heart is open to what God is doing, and we rejoice with Brother Fred. Amen. Real quickly, beginning with verse 11, Matthew chapter 18, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. How think ye if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, Doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Luke chapter 17 Verse 11, it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. As he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up uh, their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. He said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I shared in your hearing Two extremes, two extremes. The first, the shepherd was worried about the one that was missing instead of the majority that was there. And the other extreme, the shepherd was worried about the majority that were gone instead of the one that was there. So I want to talk just for a few moments from the subject, the heart of a shepherd, the heart of a shepherd. Lord bless you. You're seated in the presence of the Lord. Oftentimes a pastor is referred to as the shepherd of the flock, but keep in mind that a pastor is an under-shepherd. The physical representation of the voice of God in someone's life, but God is the good shepherd. There's only one good shepherd. That's the Lord. No man 
No man could ever replace the good shepherd. Good shepherd's perfect. The good shepherd's flawless. The good shepherd knows no blemishes. He's full of wisdom. He is wisdom. Uh, he cannot lose his memory other than when he forgets and forgives the sins of humanity. But the, the, the shepherd has emotions just like we have emotions. The shepherd has thoughts just like we have thoughts. The shepherd has uh, his particular ways just like we have our particular ways. And in our first setting that we read, Scripture bears out that if a shepherd had a hundred sheep and one of those sheep was missing, the shepherd would then leave the ninety and nine. He would leave the majority intact. Even though just one was missing, he would take off looking for that one sheep. That one sheep mattered. The salvation of that one sheep was so important that the shepherd would risk the safety of the 90 and 9 to just make sure he reached one sheep. You cannot measure the heart of a shepherd. You cannot put, put a value on a sheep. I preached it Wednesday night. If we were to spend a half a million dollars in outreach over the course of 20 or 30 years and one soul made it to heaven, it would be worth every penny that we spent to reach one soul. One sheep. You can't put value on that one sheep. The shepherd will look at anybody. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter what you dress like. Doesn't matter where you're from. God says, I'm going to do everything I can because the soul of that one person is so valuable. I'll just keep reaching. Let me tell you this. There's a reason people, when they get to the end of a bottle, start talking about the Lord. There's a reason people that sit on bar stools, somewhere along the way, God will come up in their conversation. You want me to give you a scripture for it? For where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. It doesn't matter how much sin is in that person's life. There will always be more grace than there will be sin. There will always be the reach of a shepherd that says, I want you to come back to my father's house. The heart of the shepherd says, I'll do anything I have to do to reach somebody. I'll do anything I have to do. That's why some people are confused when tragedy comes into their life. But could it be that God loves someone so much he'll allow tragedy if it will save their soul? You can't understand the heart of a shepherd. You can't figure out how he does things and why he does it because he knows the end before you knew your beginning. He knows what's going to happen next year and 10 years. And if it means letting a little displeasure come today because you'll be saved over here, then it'll let some turmoil come. He'll let some emotional pain come. He'll let some heartache come because one of these days, if your soul gets right, there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more sorrow. Everything you went through on this earth will be not for naught because you get to spend eternity with the Lord heart of a shepherd. God will reach. He'll ignore the masses for one soul. One soul. 
But we have to watch the pendulum swing from one extreme to the next. What happens after God works in someone's life? What happens after you come to an altar and God forgives you of your sins and God turns your life around? What happens after he grabs a hold of the sheep that's hanging off of a cliff? What, what happens after that? See, the first part was the shepherd doing everything he could to reach. But then on the other extreme, now let's look and see what the sheep do. We know what the shepherd will do. Let's look at what the sheep will do. And so you had 10 lepers, and they all had leprosy. Leprosy in the, in the New Testament church is typology of sin. We're all unclean. We're all born with it. doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what language you speak. Everybody is born a spiritual leper. Everybody is born unclean and has no fellowship or no right to fellowship with righteousness. In fact, Scripture says that our righteousness, what is our righteousness? It means anything that we can do of good or of value to try to obtain favor with God. Scripture says our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. In other words, it doesn't matter what you do, you'll never be righteous enough to fellowship with God. You'll never be good enough to fellowship with God's, with God's presence. That's why salvation is not based off of our righteousness because we're all unrighteous. We're all unworthy. It's based off of his righteousness, his righteousness. So they come and they holler, Lord Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They couldn't touch him. They could just holler at him. They could see him. And he, he speaks to them. He tells them, go and show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. Ten of them responded to the voice of God. Ten of them experienced the healing power of God. They were cleansed. Their sores stopped oozing. The effects of leprosy stopped in their life. They showed themselves to the priest. We can say that the shepherd touched them all. The shepherd reached them all. He did what he was obligated to do. But now what are the sheep going to do now that they encountered the heart of a shepherd? One of them, the minority, went back to him. And Jesus said, Weren't there some more with you? Where are the nine? Now, in the first example, he wasn't worried about the majority. He was worried about the minority. But once he's touched people's lives and he showed their, his power in their life, he expects something more of them. What does he expect? He expects a heart of thanksgiving. He expects people who've been bathed in the blood of Jesus Christ, people who's had their sins remitted, people whose lives have been turned around. He expects there to be a heart of thankfulness. He expects them to come back to his feet and say, thank you for turning my life around. He looked at him and said, where's, where's the nine? I know I, I know I spoke to ten. I know I touched ten because I'm God. I can be everywhere. I, I was there when you were at the priest. I saw all of y'all get healed. 
I'm going to show you how powerful a heart of gratitude is and the power of giving thanks. Ten of them were cleansed, but only one was made whole. Ten of them had the effects of leprosy stopped. Still missing fingers, still missing toes, still missing ears. But the one that said, I want to go back and give thanks, he looked at him and said, I'm not just going to cleanse you. I'm going to make you whole. Ear grow back. Fingers come on back. Toes come on back. Because I will respond to someone who is thankful for what I've done in their life. Oh, why don't we just take a moment and tell them thank you. God, thank you for everything that you've done in our hearts. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. Hallelujah. The shepherd is reaching. He's doing his part. But my question today is, are you going to be classified as the nine or the one that goes back and says thank you? The sheep, what are the sheep doing? How are the sheep reacting to the touch of the shepherd? How are the sheep reacting to the to the to the pull of the shepherd? I just come just to, I I begin to think this afternoon about things that I could be thankful for. And it, it would be easy for me to say I'm thankful for clothes. I'm thankful for a home. I'm thankful for car. And all of those things are good and all of those things are right. But I want to reach deeper than what you can see with your eye. I want to reach beyond what will perish after the rapture takes place. I want to start, I want to be thankful today for things that will last through all of eternity. The first thing I want to be thankful for is I want to be thankful for the opportunity for salvation. Salvation. Let me tell you, the hardest people to save are the ones that don't think they're lost. Hardest person to help lose weight is the guy don't think he needs to lose. I, I gotta confess. I mean, I I just gotta confess. I started three diets this week. I, it's hard. Oh my word, it's hard. I walked a mile today, me and my Ava and and, and Sophie, I mean, uh, Amelia, Millie, we walked a mile today. But it's one thing to say it that you won't help, and it's another thing to accept it. My wife went to bed about 730 the other night, the day, one of those days that I started my, uh, my diet. I don't know if the Lord showed it to her or she was shooting in the dark thinking that I was going to be guilty, but I had a bacon sandwich for supper because I like bacon sandwiches with barbecue sauce on it and bread and bacon. It's so good with Pepsi. And, and she made me a biscuit. I know it's weird, but that's just what I wanted. I had a grape jelly biscuit for supper with my bacon sandwich and my Pepsi. And, and she was tired, and she went to bed at 730 and I waited for a little while. <laughs> I thought she was sound asleep. I thought everything was good. And I went and made me about eight pieces of bacon. And and it was microwavable, so that stuff, you can see through it. It's really not a lot of calories. 
Well, probably eight pieces might be, but I don't know. And I made me another bacon sandwich, and I was, I was that microwave was so loud. And I poured my Pepsi so carefully, and I made me a, I ate my bacon sandwich and my Pepsi. I thought, okay, all right, Tyler, you can do this. But then I saw that box of Fruity Pebbles on top of the refrigerator. I'm telling you, I love me some Fruity Pebbles, and they're gluten-free, okay? So it was semi-healthy. Brother Glenn, if it wouldn't have been for the noise in that bowl where they were going pouring in, I think I would have pulled it off. And so I bought, ate my Fruity Pebbles, drank it all, and scraped it while I was drinking it so I wouldn't leave any evidence in the bowl. And so I'm like, okay, all right, Tyler, you can do better tomorrow. You got, you got this tomorrow. Today was a cheat day. It was day one, but I cheated on day one. And I Got in bed, it's about 10 o'clock, 10.30, and I'm thinking she's just seeing visions, angels coming and descending, and I got this. And got in bed, and she goes, get you something to eat? All I could do was laugh and laugh and laugh. It's one thing to say, hey, I need help. But there's another thing to say, I want help. There's a lot of people that need, that know they need the hand of God in their life. But not everybody wants the hand of God in their life. If everybody that needed it wanted it, we couldn't build a building big enough to hold everybody because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Doesn't matter who they are. Everybody that's ever breathed air needs the hand of God in their life. This is what the Bible says. And you hath he quickened, Ephesians 2 and 1, who were dead in trespasses and sin. Do you realize that when you come out of the womb, you are spiritually dead? You're dead. Everybody's dead. There has to come a moment. Jesus said, marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. Because we all have to have the salvation of God in our life. He said, you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell from whence it cometh. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. What's that mean? It means you go outside and you can feel the wind blowing. You know it's there, but you can't touch it. So the same is with God. You can feel the presence of God moving amongst you. You can't put your hand out and touch it, but you know there's something working that's greater than me. There's something, and you got to make up in your mind, you know what? I may not understand it, but I want it. I may not be able to figure it all out, but I want it. You, the Bible says, lean not unto thine own understanding. You will never understand God, but your faith can reach out and say, God, if you got something for me, I want to receive everything that you have for me. Amen? Clap your hands unto the Lord. We were unclean, just like those lepers. The Bible says in Romans 5 and 8, but God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Romans 5 and 6, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for us. There's some things, as a daddy, it makes me feel good when my kids aren't strong enough to do something. I mean, not nothing major. I'm talking about like opening pickles, okay? They love them some pickles. But there's something that touches a daddy's heart when a child comes to him and says, Daddy, I can't do this. Well, baby, can you loosen that up for me? Makes me feel good when I can do something that my kids aren't strong enough to do. You know what? Nobody was strong enough to save themselves. Nobody was strong enough. Nobody had the blood that was sufficient enough. But there was a father that stepped in and said, while you're yet without strength, I'm going to do what you can't do. I'm thankful for salvation. When you make up in your mind, like Brother Fred, I don't want to embarrass you, Brother Fred, but you just you just was one of the easiest people. I wish when I was evangelizing, if I could just bring you on tour with me everywhere. I walked up to Brother Fred. He was sitting right there on that second chair. I said, Brother Fred, I believe God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. You want it? Yes, sir. Just like that. I didn't have to sit there and plead with him. I said, Brother Fred, we're going to repent of our sins and ask God to forgive us of everything that we've ever done wrong. Okay. We started repenting. Am I right, Brother Fred? We repented. Asked God to forgive us of our sins. I said, all right, Brother Fred, God heard us. God forgave us. I want you to lift your hands and start saying, I love you, Jesus. And you're going to feel something come all over you, and you're not going to be able to say English anymore. The Spirit of God is going to flow out of your heart. He lifted his hands. Started saying, I love you, Jesus. About 30 seconds, power of God hit him. He started speaking things that nobody taught him. The Holy Ghost was flowing out of him that fast. We, didn't, we can't overcomplicate this salvation process. He, God didn't want to make it so hard that nobody could do it. You just got to have, have a heart that says, I want it. Let me tell you something else I'm thankful for, and I'm hurrying. I'm thankful for the mercy of God. You don't need God's mercy just for one time trip to an altar. You need God's mercy for every day of your life. Every day. Every day. It's the only way salvation's made possible. Titus 3 and 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Mercy is a continual dispensing of the love of God in a person's life. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let me tell you why people are afraid to ask for help. Is they're afraid they're going to be rejected or is the person's going to be angry? I didn't. I broke my papa's glass on his curio cabinet when I was a kid and I waited until after he died to tell my grandma. Me and my me and my cousin had, you know, them stress balls filled with sand. I don't know if they even got to make them anymore, but they used to be. And we were just throwing them and back and forth. And one of somehow, I don't know how, it hit the glass on that big display cabinet with all that fine china. We put the stress ball up. I was stressed. I needed to be squeezing that stress ball. I didn't say a word. God's forgiven me of this, okay? Don't hold me in judgment over this. I didn't say a word. Weeks later, I was there, and Papa looked at that. He looked at that. I wonder how that happened. 
and he changed it out. He probably figured it out. I didn't say a word for years, probably 15, 20 years until after he passed away. And I told my grandmother about it, and she laughed it off like it was no big deal. You know why I didn't go to him? It was I afraid he would be mad. I afraid he'd be mad. But Scripture says, let us go boldly before the throne of grace. Why would you go boldly? It doesn't mean go with arrogance. It means go with confidence that I can go to God and say, God, I made a mess of my life. I made a mess of all of this stuff I've done wrong. Welcome to the club. Everybody has. It says you go boldly because that heavenly father is going to look at you and say, I got mercy for that. I've got grace for that. I can cover it with my blood and pick you up and you can keep on living for God. Stand with me. Let me tell you the third thing. I'm thankful for hope. Hope. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. In other words, if this is as good as it gets, living for God, we might as well hang it up. If our hope is relegated to what we see down here, then I'm a, we're of all men most miserable. But the hope that we have in Christ reaches beyond this earth. It reaches into the next dimension of life. See, you're just, you're, this, is, this is temporary. We have a hard time computing that, but this is temporary. That, on the other side, is eternal. It's eternal. So we're not living to make something of ourselves down here. We're living to make something for ourselves on the other side. And it's God's will that everybody, I've often said it, and I've said it here many times, I think that thir that span of silence, I don't have Bible, okay, this is just me. That's, that span of silence in heaven, it's going to be because people are shocked at who made it and who didn't. Because we judge things on based on what we see and what we know. But you don't know what goes on behind closed doors in somebody's bedroom when they have a prayer meeting with God. You can't judge someone's walk with God off of what you know, off of what you see. We get to heaven, there's going to be people that you never would have thought, ever, they made it right with God. And there's going to, people, there's going to be people that didn't make it that you thought would have made it. But here's the deal. I'm not worried about them making it as much as I am about me making it. Let me tell you how we'll make sure our heart stays right is you always go back and say, thank you, Jesus. The day you stop being grateful for what God's done in your life, a piece of you dies off and you're not whole. A heart full of thanksgiving is what made that man whole. Something's missing in someone's heart when they're not thankful. When they're not thankful. I want us to lift our hands, close our eyes all over this building today. I don't want us right now to be thankful for material things. You can do that all any other day. But right now, 
I want us to be thankful for spiritual things.